It's a big day, Spartan Nation. Time to talk about the boys up front. Offensive and defensive line previews today on MLive Spartan Confidential Podcast as we continue to get you ready for the 2021 football season, which is inching closer each and every day. Brandon Champion and Matt Wenzel with you on Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. Uh, coming at you a little earlier in the week than normal, as Matt will be off to Indianapolis for Big Ten Media Days tomorrow. Uh, we'll discuss that briefly as well on episode 40 of the show. Uh, Matt, you, you got your bags all ready to go? You you pack your parka for the AC there in Indy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a classic last-minute packer. You know, 10 minutes before I've got to leave, open up a suitcase, throw all my crap in there, and call it good. So... <laughs> Um, yeah. So, and I don't know, maybe, maybe with it being at uh, Lucas oil stadium, it won't be 52 degrees in there. So what's, what's the dress code for big 10 media days? Do you go like full suit and jacket or is it like polo or t-shirt? I mean, what, what, what do you, what's the look you go with? The coaches will wear suits and ties. The players will wear suits and ties. I will not be wearing a suit and tie. Um, no. Uh, I am a member of the sports media, which pretty much should would classify most of you to look like a slob half the time, but no. Uh, <laughs> jeans and a button-up shirt is uh, about as good as they're going to get out of me. We don't got like an MLive polo that we can hook you up with, do a little walking mm. advertising there around the concourse? <laughs> well, again, the temperature thing. Uh, if you were wearing a polo at previous media days in the hotels, you would, um, you would freeze. It would, not, it would not go over very well for you. I want to get you a shirt that says subscribe to Spartan Confidential that you, that on the back so then you can just uh, be like a walking billboard for the show. I'd be, yeah. be down with that. <laughs> yeah, well, you aren't going to find me wearing it, unfortunately. So, <laughs> Dang it. Uh, well, anyways, as I said, uh, we will be discussing some of Matt's burning questions uh, or things that he would love to get a little bit more insight on ahead of Big Ten Media Days. Um, and also, we'll be talking about the big men up front, offensive and line or offensive Offensive and defensive line previews, taking a closer look at those positions. One appears to be a big strength for Michigan State, while the other uh, has left a lot to be desired in recent years. So some interesting uh, conversations to have there. If you could please like, rate, and review the podcast wherever you're listening, would be very much appreciated. Tell a fellow Spartan about the show if you enjoy it. Hit us up on Twitter and check out our work at mlive.com Spartans. We would very much appreciate it, and we appreciate you listening here today. Uh, so, so Matt, let's get into it. Uh, you'll be leaving tomorrow morning for Indianapolis, heading to Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, lots of stories and questions will be asked. Lots of coach speak will be uttered, no doubt. Um, but what's the what? I mean, when you get there, I guess I guess before we get into the questions, can you, for people who don't know, give give people an idea of what it's like when you're at Big Ten Media Days. Uh, well, previously, you know, it was at hotels, you'd be in, you know, there's a large ballroom where there's rows of tables and uh, a stage with the podium and the coaches, you know, commissioner will come up and other conference officials and then the coaches do their 15 minute Q&A um, on the podium um, that's televised a lot on BTN always and then that, you know, that ends basically, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just spaced out over two days and the, the schools are broken up by day. And then, so like, just for example, for Michigan state fans, Mel will be speaking, he'll be doing his 
um, his press conference, the 15 minute version uh, at 11:15 uh, to 11:30 on Friday, and then we come back and it's uh, it'll be oh geez where is it Mel will speak for an hour from two to three, and then Michigan State's three players will be from 3:15 to 4:15. So it's kind of a pain. <laughs> there's a lot you know there's a lot going on at once, and you know you get all these all this audio and all this you know stuff to kind of pour over, you know, and it's, you know, just a matter of breaking it up how you want to do it. But um, the, the, the hour session with the coaches is more personal, you know, it's not them up there with the lights in their face and on a camera, you know, the, on TV and um, you know, you get guys, you get the media sitting or, you know, standing around or sitting around a, a smaller podium and it's a little more personable. So I'm kind of, I'm looking forward to um, getting to see Mel Tucker in that setting. Uh, it's obviously been something we haven't really had an opportunity to do for the most part since he's been hired. Um, so it'll be something new there. And then the three players they're bringing, uh, Jalen Naylor, uh, Drew Beasley and, um, uh, Xavier Henderson. So, uh, you know, typical deal, you know, it's veteran guys that are going to say that they expect to say the right things, not say anything inflammatory and, you know, represent the program well, and then get out of there without any damage done basically is the deal. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's the, that's the rundown of it. And there's always a uh, lunch. So. What was, what was you interested in that? <laughs> oh, I'm interested in lunch. I haven't even had lunch yet. What was the LJ Scott situation a couple years ago? He said something. Uh, about, was, was, it was, you know, it's just, just one of those things that you, they don't want a player to say. Uh, we were in Chicago um, and it was Brian Lewerke, LJ Scott, and Kari Willis were the three guys that year, if I remember that correctly. Um, Kari was never going to say anything like that. Brian was probably not going to say anything like that, but LJ going in, you're like, well, you never know. He might, he might say something. In. And this is kind of one of the pains about it being these, you know, if you have three players that are all speaking for an hour at once, you obviously can't physically be in three places at once. So you might walk away and then somebody says something, you miss it. So I'm one of those people who likes to pull the voice recorder drop and, and walk away, leave. Um, the drive sometimes it pays voice off. recorder drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it pays off. Sometimes you find out somebody took your voice recorder by accident because a lot of these look the same. Uh, best case scenario, you don't miss anything and you just end up with re-listening to an hour-long uh, interview with each player, you know, only portions of which you heard. And a lot of times it's people coming by asking them the same question over and over and over and over. So yeah, that's the <laughs> highlight. There oh, you go. Hey, to your point. Yeah. I forgot all about the point. Yeah. Anyways, somebody asked LJ about uh, Michigan and he said something about how they don't get any respect from, from Michigan. And I think he used the little sisters line and you know <laughs> that just turns into a, you know, that never ending back and forth that, I think is so I, I you know rivalries are great and all but the petty little brother little sister stuff I would love it absolutely love it if I never had to include that in a story mm. ever again it's I just, wouldn't bank on that it's war it's war it's worn out you know it had at the beginning you know when Mike Hart said it you know he had you know they had won he had earned a right to talk um but he sh <laughs> Saying that, obviously, a little fire. I think we've talked about this before. Mark D'Antonio, to his uh, credit, absolutely used that to turn the rivalry around. So I get, I understand why it keeps resurfacing. I just think it's old. That was the old pride comes before the fall, right, line when Mark D'Antonio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, that was amazing. I, mean, I, th I think Mike Hart has admitted it. And since, you know, that <laughs> basically, if you go back, 
He probably wouldn't have said that because it didn't work out too well for them. Well, we as journalists love when players and coaches actually say something, though. So, you know, I mean, oh, I, I, we'd rather have absolutely. that than nothing, right? Absolutely. I just – that's just one phrase in particular that I, I think has it's, – it's ran its course. It's, it's gone through the cycle. You know, For sure. Again, rivalries are great. It's a good one between those two schools. Um, just find a different way to make it interesting. What did you make of the three players? I mean, you sort of touched on it. Yeah, these are guys, all three, that we know are going to have a role. They're veteran guys that stood out last year uh, and for multiple years now. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I, maybe they'll talk about their teammates some. Yeah, I mean, they're going to get asked all sorts of relevant and irrelevant and stupid questions at the same time. Enough people come through there. I mean, I think there's somebody a couple of years ago that was going around having everybody – every player try to draw their school logo or something. And there, there's always something like that. Who wants you know? Bama? But, that was the one. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But I mean, what will be interesting is some of the, you know, the topics that are more time sensitive, especially name, image, and likeness to hear what these guys have to say about that. Um, that's the hot topic right now. Um, you know, and, and, you know, what overall for the conference going in, I think that, you know, the COVID stuff is obviously still, you know, we're in a better place than we were a year ago. Um, certainly a lot less uncertainty. But again, these, these conferences have to address, as we've seen before, some other conferences, what happens if a team can't play? You know, mm -hmm. is, it, is it a forfeit? You know, or do you, you know, and I think what the trend we're seeing nationally is, is putting the onus on these teams to get the, you know, to vet, get the, vet, the, the staff and the players vaccinated to reduce the, the chance that you'd have to um, be in a position to not be able to play. And for those teams that don't get to that rate and may have to not, and, and can't play, then it's a loss. So I think that's the trend you're seeing nationally and that's, that's probably the way it should go. So yeah, um, that'll come up, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but as far as the three, the three guys, I, I wasn't surprised at all. I, I, my three player guess was one off. I had Matt Allen on offense instead of, instead of Jalen Naylor. And this is solely based on, you know, guys that you know are veterans, they're experienced, and quite frankly, who do they bring out to talk to you on a regular basis? Drew Beasley certainly one of them. Uh, we got him a lot oh, last season. Um, Xavier Henderson, we didn't get – I don't know that we got him as much, but Xavier's a good guy. Uh, you know, he, he knows how to do this stuff. He's a leader. You know, I've been talking to him since he was, you know, going to a senior at high school um and then uh Jalen Naylor um yeah I mean this is a guy that they expect big things from he let him in receiving last year as far as yards and um touchdown catches so yeah, I'm, not, I'm not really surprised at all about that mm -hmm. and notably no quarterback so Mel doesn't want to tip his oh, hand well, as to which one of those guys has got the the, the slight edge but you know that absolutely was not going to happen you weren't going to get a quarterback <laughs> out of that if you're going to get a quarterback then you'd get two and then that you know, then you're just wasting your time with that because they're just getting questions I mean you go back to the last media days we had with 19 and Mark D'Antonio brought three defensive players nobody on offense <laughs> it was Joe Bocci Kenny and uh and Raekwon and you know he said it at the time well I think you know this was deserving but I think it was pretty obvious you know their offense had been so bad you know, the only guy that he would have probably brought on offense, the person that would make sense would be Brian Lewerke because he had been there in 18. But, you know, with the, the, the shoulder injury and how that season, you know, how the 18 season played out and all the struggles, they did, I'm sure there was no, no way they wanted Brian to go there and spend an hour just absolutely getting grilled about his shoulder and 
how he's going to be in the fall because again, you'd be answering the same question over and over for an hour between people coming in and out. So long story short, um, it is interesting who they bring, um, getting, getting really interesting quotes out of them um, and stuff that answers some of the personnel questions you have going into the season. That, uh, that's a different story. I am glad you brought up uh, sort of the conference as a whole because I think some of those questions are a little bit more interesting. And obviously Kevin Warren, well, I think he opens the whole thing up with, some, with a press conference. So yeah. I think there will be some interesting questions for him from a large scale point of view for the conference because we saw the SEC commissioner get up there to your point and talk about how they don't plan to really postpone games this year and forfeits are on the table. So, uh, I mean, yeah. that's huge in a, in a sport where if you lose one game, you're risking not making the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I don't know that it would be – how fair would it be, you know, to a team that – and you can, you can run this back, back to last year, you know. You're a team, you got – and, you know, I mean, vaccination rate obviously plays into it. But just say you're a team that doesn't have any problems with COVID, you're healthy, you're ready to play on Saturday, and they cancel on you. And how that affects your season, you know, Michigan State had that happen twice last year with Maryland. Obviously, given how the season played out, this was not something that – you know, affected the, the conference to championship race. But, you know, we saw what happened with Ohio State and, and, you know, Big Ten having to change the rules to give them the East division. And it's just too much. It's really complicated. And I think it, it comes down to some level of fairness. And last year was kind of a one-year pass, I think, with them just jamming the season in and actually managing to pull it off, um, despite the odds that it would could explode in their face. But um, this year, I mean – I, there, there's enough, I mean, the vaccine's been out there long enough, um, the ability to, to get these players in a position where you hopefully aren't needing to question every game every week um, going, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, are we going to play? So, right. And that was obviously the case all of last season. Right. That was miserable. So zeroing in on Michigan State, I mean, we've talked about a lot of this through the, throughout the summer and leading up to the season. But what are I mean, let's leave the O-line uh, conversation until we get to that in a little bit here. But the, what are some of the other I mean, what's at the top of your mind in terms of Michigan State specifically that, that you want to know or at least get a little bit more insight into uh, over the course of media days? I mean, the obvious well, the biggest team overall thing is how is year two going to go? You got your off season, you got your spring practice, strength and conditioning program. The things that held them back last year, the things that made last season pretty much a free pass for Mel and the team, um, you know, those aren't there this year. They got the spring, they got the spring practice, they got the, um, you know, the off season conditioning program. And, and so you're here. So how much does that change what they're like in the fall? You know, you had the, you know, the ability to do that. And then, <laughs> You know, the, the roster, you know, with the 27 guys transferring out and 19 coming in via the portal, 15 of those 19 are in scholarship, I believe. You know, that's massive changes. Um, and how will all that fit, you know, when, when you've got just pretty much the fall practice to, to do it? So they got to jam in a lot really quickly um, and, and make that work. And, you know, this isn't a question that obviously can be answered uh, this week. It won't be answered until really into the season when games start playing and we see how this all comes together and whether, you know, the, the roster turnover can lead to a quicker rebuild. It would be nice to know though, like where some of these, like at least some of the transfers, where they sort of slide in or at least where they're, you know, like, cause we know they're not all going to be on the field, but it would be nice to know which ones. I mean, I think we know Kenneth Walker. I think we know Jarrett Horst who we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, you know, maybe in the secondary, which is obviously a huge question mark. And we'll, we'll get to that later in the week, but 
it'd be nice to know at least which of these new guys are maybe knocking on the door to play right away. Yeah. And you know, you go, I think it's, you know, the guys can always surprise you. You get, you know, younger guys come in and step up, but I think it's pretty clear when you look at the guys they brought in, you kind of separate them into two different categories. You have guys that have played um, at the college level specifically, or particularly at the power five level and played a lot, you know, a guy like Drew Jordan, you know, he, he played a ton at Duke over four years. He's going to come in. He's going to play. He's going to contribute. You know that he's a six-year guy taking the extra year for, you know, due to the, what the NCAA gave for COVID. He's not a question mark, really, in my mind. It's just what, you know, how much is he going to be able to adjust? And, you know, Kenneth Walker is similar. I expect him to be their top back this fall. Um, and then, you know, some of these positions, specifically at um, linebacker and at cornerback, where there was so much turnover, you know, at corner or at linebacker, you look at a guy like Ben Van Summeren from Michigan who played last year, started a couple of games. Uh, you really look at a guy like Varys Crouch from Tennessee who played a good amount over two years. It's a former top 70 overall recruit. Um, you know, those two guys you expect to definitely contribute and, and contend for a starting spot. And, you know, they're fit a little different category. Itavian Brown from Minnesota, you know, he was a four-star kid, but, you know, he didn't play last year. So he hasn't played a snap of college football. So I think he just kind of, not to say he can't come in there and, you know, do good things this fall, but I think he fits a different category just because you haven't seen it proven at this level. And the same with, you know, with cornerback where you get um, Chester Kimbrough from Florida, Ronald Williams from Alabama, those guys have played, you know, and at the power five level. And so I think those guys have an edge over, you look at um, Kari Crump from Arizona and, um, Oh, uh, Marquis Lowry from Louisville, who were guys in the 2020 recruiting class. They didn't play as true freshmen last year. So I just kind of separate those guys um, into different categories just because we've seen some, we've seen it with the other guys. We haven't seen it from them. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my take on it. So, and, you will, and, but we won't know who really stands out obviously until, uh, you know, coaches can drop names and stuff in fall camp. Um, but it's really when it's, when they start playing that we'll, we'll get the real answers, obviously. I guess that's what I was looking for. You know, we obviously see these coaches all the time. Like, who stands out? They'll get that question and they'll proceed to name every single person in the position group. So, I guess yeah. maybe if like I mean, there are times, you know, like when they bring up a name unprovoked, that's a slight hint. I feel like it. Maybe, yeah. Well, you know. some sometimes and sometimes not. There are times where names get brought up. It's always a spring practice. Curse, you know. There'll be some guy who's standing out in the spring haven't played before and they don't ever play you know i mean it's just one of those things that you, you i mean if somebody comes out with just absolutely over the top effusive praise for somebody out of the blue all right that's probably a good sign you know for them but um you know just saying oh yeah so-and-so's doing good and then list eight other guys at the same time i mean that doesn't really no doesn't that doesn't help. really uh say much no and then we'll obviously look for clarity at the quarterback position too. There's, I would, there's no chance Mel's going to come out and name a starting quarterback uh, at Big no, Ten no, media I mean, days. But that's the top roster question, obviously. But um, that's not going to. He's not going to name a starter, and I'm sure he, at this point in time, I mean, he, I would bet that he has an idea of, of at least who's in the lead right now. But I really do think that this will come down to fall camp. It'll play out. How much? Um, how much more is as Anthony Russo kind of absorbed in, in the offense since spring practice ended, which is what he left in, in saying in April that, you know, he, he's light years ahead of where he was when he came in January and expects hopes that would be the case at start of fall camp. And, you know, is, is his experience enough to, to overtake 
um, Peyton Thorne and kind of what may have like, you know, just a higher upside because we haven't just, we just haven't seen enough of him as like, unlike Russo with 26 career starts. Excuse me. Well, uh, Matt will be there on Thursday, just in, for people who are wondering the rundown. You'll have Kevin Warren, PJ Fleck from Minnesota, Mike Loxley from Maryland, Scott Frost from Nebraska, Brett Bielema at Illinois. Actually forgot he went back to Illinois there for a second, or he went back <laughs> in the Big Ten. He's back in the Big Ten with Brett Bielema. Yes. I kind of forgot that. Uh, James Franklin at Penn State, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern, Jim Harbaugh will wrap up the first day. On Friday, you'll get Greg Shiano from Rutgers. Mel Tucker from Michigan State will be second from 11.15 to 11.30, as we mentioned. Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, Tom Allen from Indiana, Paul Chris from Wisconsin, Jeff Brom from Purdue, and Ryan Day from Ohio State will wrap up the proceedings from Indianapolis. Matt will be there uh, trying to uh, craft uh, some stories on the first day, I'm sure, from uh, opposing coaches and players. And then obviously he'll be all over the Michigan State coverage on Friday. And you can see all that at omlive.com slash Spartans. Let's move on uh, and continue with our position previews. Um, this is the third show, position group preview show that we've done. Uh, we did quarterbacks and running backs. We did wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, we're going to do the lines today and then probably next week sometime when Matt gets back. Uh, look at the uh, linebackers and secondary, uh, which is a position group. We kind of purposely – we touched on it just a little bit ago, but – I try. I was trying to avoid most of that conversation for that uh, preview. So, Matt, let's start with the O line. This is this is a position uh, that has been in flux, <laughs> needless to say, the last few years. A lot of guys getting action, but n- not a lot of uh, continuity, not a lot of stability up front. So, what that pretty much leads up to is a a, gr- a situation this year where you have a lot of guys who have experience, a lot of fifth and sixth year seniors. Um, but they're fifth and sixth seniors who haven't experienced a lot of success, at least at the Big Ten level, and, and having a, a running game going. So I think maybe we know two or three spots on the offensive line seem pretty well set. But how do you, how do you handicap uh, what's going to happen up front, at least to start the season? Yeah, well, you know, this would be a case where I think I've been saying this the last couple of years. You know, I think that they've got the guys there. They've got the potential um, expect it to be improved, but it hasn't happened the last couple of years in, uh, you know, 18, they had nine different starting combinations up front 19. They had seven last year. It, they were healthier. You know, they had a few injuries, but there was more um, continuity up front. You know, AJR Curry started every game at left tackle, same with Matt Carrick at right guard and, and, and Kevin Jarvis at right tackle. So you did have that. You had a couple of little things in the middle, uh, but yeah, I mean, they bring back all seven guys who started at least one game last year. Um, in addition to that, you got, you know, a guy like um, Luke Campbell, who's taken the sixth year, and he's got 26 career starts spread out between uh, both tackle and guard spots. So a lot, a ton of experience, you know, really a, a veteran group. Um, but will it work? Will it come together? Um, again, you know, to repeat what we've said a thousand times, and I've written a thousand times, you know, last year with no spring practice and a new uh, scheme that, you know, obviously hampered their ability to get together. Um, but this year, I mean, again, that's not an excuse anymore. Um, and Michigan State has a pretty good offensive line coach and Chris Kapilovic. We've seen him turn things around at other programs before. Mel Tucker thinks he's as good as there is in the country. Um, that showed with him naming him the assistant or associate head coach, whatever that was this spring. Um, so, yeah, will it work is, is the question. They got the guys there. Um, it's just a question of how it plays out. And, and it's really – you know, I could make 
three or four or five different starting lineups for you up front. Uh, but it's just, it, it really, I think it starts with the tackles, where you go there. And you got to build from the outside in because they have more, more guys that can line up in the middle um, than they do on the ends. So our Curry's back as a six-year um, senior. He's your returning starting left tackle. Does he keep the spot with, eight, uh, with uh, Jarrett Horse coming in from Arkansas State, who has experience at left tackle? So if our Curry keeps that spot, the question is, can they move um, Horse to right tackle, which was, I asked uh, Kavilovic that this spring, and he said that's absolutely an option. So, you know, this is just the theory I've been kicking around my head since they brought him in as a transfer, is if, you know, our Curry stays at left tackle, where well, he was okay last year, and Horse comes in at right tackle, that would give Kevin Jarvis the opportunity to move back inside because he was, you know, he, he got here as a, he started as a, you know, his first two years on campus at, at right tackle. Or, I'm sorry, right guard. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he, in the 17th season, he set a, a record for the most um, starts for an offensive lineman for, as a freshman under Mark D'Antonio. So he came here with a lot of talent, um, but he got derailed by injury in, in 2019. He moved to left tackle, started three games there, and had a leg injury that kept him out the rest of the year, and then flipped to right tackle last year. So I just think he's more of an – not to say he can't play the position. He obviously showed he can. I think that's impressive when you get a guy that can have that versatility, start at three different spots over three different years. Um, but I think he's just probably a better fit at guard. So if he goes a right guard, then that, that just increases the competition at the middle where they have more depth. You got Blake Buter and J.D. Duplain split starts at left guard last year. Buter won the job going into the season, got hurt. Um, Duplain took it over, and then he kind of split steps after missing games. Matt Allen's back for his sixth year. Um, he started the season uh, you know, at center and lasted only one game before he missed the rest of the year due to injury. Uh, with Nick Samak taking over after him. So there's a competition right there, obviously. Um, and then Matt Carrick at right guard. Um, you know, if Jarvis moves inside, you got another competition. So, yeah, um, it's uh, – there's a lot – I mean, there's a lot of possibilities. Again, figure out your tackles first, and then you, you let the competition at the interior play out. And, and you've got, you know, some younger guys pushing for playing time, a guy like uh, Spencer Brown at tackle. Um, he showed some promise uh, last year getting limited reps. Um, so, yeah. What, what, uh, do you, what do you think about it from left to right? Arcuri, Duplain, Samak, Jarvis, Horst. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably what a lot of people would pencil in. I think you can flip-flop Duplain um, with Buter at left guard. I think you can flip-flop Allen with Samak at center. Um, you know, they, Matt Allen, you know, he come back for six year. They wouldn't have brought him back for a six year for nothing. You know, I, I know they love his leadership and his honesty. Um, so I, so he, you know, he'd be the guy that come back knowing, Hey, I'll come back for a six year. Maybe it's not good enough to even win the job, but I'm going to be here and compete for it. You know, he's, he's an Allen. I think we all know what they've done with the program and the offensive line. So, and then Luke Campbell's kind of the wild card in the mix. You know, he had surgery knee surgery after the 19 season didn't even dress for a game last year. So you know, what is he even capable of doing at this point in time? Um, but ton of experience there. So yeah, year five, I'd certainly see, I would not be surprised if that's the five that starts the year, but um, never know. 
So, I mean, whoever starts, they, they need to improve. We mentioned this on the running back preview, but 122nd out of 127 teams in the nation, uh, rushing at 91.4 yards per game. And then, Matt, this is from your story. It's the lowest total in program records dating back to 1947. Michigan State also tied for 69th. Nice in sacks, a lot of 2.3, up from 1.4 the year before. Um, so you need improvement. You mentioned Chris Kapilovic being one of the, the top offensive line coaches in the country, and I agree. I mean, and you see the recruits. He seems to be one of Michigan State's best recruiters, too, because if you just look at the class next year that's already coming in, I mean, he's roping in these massive offensive linemen from all over the country. So he clearly – him and Mel clearly have a, a type that they like. I'm not sure how – uh, a body type, I mean, and I'm not sure how well some of the guys on the roster from the D'Antonio era fit that body type, but I think that maybe I have confidence in him to be able to mold guys because um, by all accounts, I mean, he seems to be doing work both on the recruiting trail and in the locker room as one of the, the biggest leaders of the team. Yeah, I mean, you, you just look at this 21, or I'm sorry, 22 class, the guys they have committed in it. And that's very clear. I mean, they started building with the offensive line. Their first two commits were offensive line. And yeah, again, they do have, they definitely have a body type. It's big and long is what they're looking for. Um, So yeah, I mean, Mark, it's, you know, at the end of Mark's tenure, I think you saw them a little trying sometimes, you know, reaching, maybe trying to turn guards into tackles and it not working out. Um, whereas I think they, they want a little more height and length on the, uh, on the edge um, under the new staff, and I, I, mean, I don't blame them for that. Uh, at the same time, Michigan State took a guy like Jack Conklin as a walk-on and turned him into an All-American, <laughs> making millions in the NFL. So some things did work out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's really just – I'm really interested to see how a full offseason for, for Chris Kovilovic to do what he wanted to do, uh, not be limited by what they had to – you know the, the holes they had to jump through last year, what he can do with the offensive line. Because um, mm. everybody, I mean, let's be honest, if, if the offense is going to dig itself out of the gutter, it, they're going to have to have a much better offensive line. They can throw for, <laughs> you know, I don't care what they throw for. The offensive line has to get better if, if this offense is going to take a step out of being one of the worst in the nation, which has been the case um, for a little too long now for them. Absolutely. I I think the biggest thing is, I mean, we just ran off a bunch of names, but I think you want to find what, six, seven guys that you're playing. Seven, eight. Yeah. Seven, eight. Yeah. You don't want to have this constant. I mean, depth is nice, but especially on the offensive line, which requires so much communication and cohesiveness, you don't want to have these guys shuffling in and out. No. And, you know, Chris had said this, you know, last spring you know when they were ever sent home asked about the rotation he basically if I recall this right said yeah I want if you can have that that third tackle that third guard and maybe that third center that you can have there you know you know obviously injuries happen you see it every year you're going to need to have more guys ready to play but you know somebody you can you can give basically the point is what he said if you can put somebody in there and there isn't a drop off that's what you want mm-hmm. now that said you also don't want to be playing 12 guys uh, that doesn't work. So it's, it's finding that balance in the middle. So yeah, seven to eight is what you look for. And basically, and it was seven last year is basically what they settled on. James uh, Hamba played, I think he played the most snaps for any of those seven that didn't start. And that was fairly sparingly at right guard, mostly the Michigan game, if I recall right, um, because of injuries to, to two other guys. Well, that's the offensive line, obviously a position that needs to improve for Michigan State. And, I mean, if you look at successful teams across the country, you can start right there up front by the offensive line because those guys are clearing the path for the backs and they're protecting uh, the guys with the golden arm behind them. So 
much, much improvement needed up front for Michigan State. Let's flip to the other side of the ball uh, and from one of uh, what will jump from one of the, the weaknesses, at least pref- perceivably coming into the season. We'll see what happens to one of the strengths, and that's the defensive line where you have, again, guys returning. Um, but, uh, you know, Michigan State traditionally defensive line has been a fantastic strength for them. They've put a lot of guys in the NFL. That starts with Ron Burton, the D-line coach, who was a holdover from the D'Antonio era, uh, one of the top ten in the country, according to our friend Big Game Boomer, uh, <laughs> who hit us up. Did you see? He gave us a little promotion, said that he loves this podcast uh, on Twitter. I couldn't tell I he was did. being – I couldn't tell if he was being serious or making fun of us, but I'll take it either way. Whatever. <laughs> I did not see that. I do not follow that account. He quote tweeted us and said, love this podcast. Uh, so no. I, I don't know if he's just being a. It's somebody uh, looking for attention. So yeah, it's an opportunity for attention. So anyways, whatever. <laughs> but the D line, I mean, this, they've got guys coming back long track record of, record of success. Um, so I guess, how do you, how do you look at the depth uh, up front there? Yeah, I mean, I think this is arguably the best position they have, um, you, know, if you, you know, splitting up tackles and ends and all that. But I think the defensive line is the strength they have coming into the season just because of the experience and the bodies. Um, there's definitely room for improvement from last year, but, you know, you returned three or four starters uh, up front. Uh, you lost Aquan Jones, but um, Drew Beasley and, and Jacob Panasuk are both coming back for the extra years or starting ends. And you get four of the five uh, tackles from the rotation back from last year with Jacob Slade, Jalen Hunt, Deshaun Mallory, Maverick Hansen being the four coming back. Um, Simeon Barrow, uh, he didn't play last year as a true freshman. He opted out during the year, but I think we saw uh, he was, he, he, he got your attention during the open spring practice uh, in April. So, I mean, and so if you can go that deep, that tackle, you, you know, I think they'll be fine in the middle. I look for Jalen Hunt's the guy, you know, Slade should be remain, you know, remain a starter. Um, and it's really between Mallory and Hunt for the other starting spot. But the way uh, Darian Harris was talking about Jalen Hunt this spring, mm-hmm. uh, they expect big things out of him. He's wearing 99 now, mm-hmm. if I remember that correctly. Um, so, yeah, I look for him to take over that spot. But, yeah, they should be pretty strong at that spot. And then behind Panasuk and Beasley, I think it's a little more of a question mark at end. Um, you have all that experience, but when you bring in a guy like um, – Drew Jordan, will, is he going to be capable of just taking a starting spot? Who knows? You know, Panasuk and Beasley are back from there, but maybe, maybe, he, can hold, maybe he can overtake them. Who knows? Jack Camper's got experience. Uh, he's been somewhat pretty injury-prone over his career, though. Um, and then Michael Fletcher, you know, he's a guy that he tied for the team high in sacks last year with three, and, you know, that wasn't with playing a ton of time. So, and he's physically a guy that is, you know, really impressive. So you, you wonder when he can take the next step in his development. Um, and beyond that, you know, it's kind of a you know, mix-up. Uh, Jeff Petrowski got on the field um, last year, so he, he really impressed uh, coaches with his effort. Um, Brandon Wright is a two-year running back at Michigan State. He's now at, at end, so what can he do and how quickly can he adjust to that position? So, um, yeah, I mean, that kind of runs over the bodies. Um, they got recruits coming, but I think it'll be, a, you know, be, a, it'll be tough for any of the, the three defensive line signings from the 21 class to come in and crack – that line up and play this fall. I, at least I see it that way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there, there's some, there are, you know, three-star prospects anyways that are uh, viewed. I mean, I, lo- I love Tyson Watson's size at least. I mean, I think that he's a guy maybe that could – not this year, though, not this year. Uh, we'll talk about that in subsequent years. But run defense, been a strength at Michigan State, uh, a program trademark, I'd say. And, and you noted this in your story. I mean, 
top 10 in the nation in rushing defense, including first in 2014 and 18 and six of the last eight years. They were 16th in 2019, 55, 55th uh, last year. So a slight drop back, but again, weird season last year. Uh, hard to take anything with, I mean, not as many games, no non-conference games. So, I mean, numbers are kind of different and skewed. Um, but I mean, We've seen Michigan State, at least in the past, alternate guys and on the D-line and bring guys in for, for specific situations and stuff. I mean, you mentioned the depth. Do you see a situation here where – I mean, how many guys are you looking to play big, big snaps here? Yeah, I mean, that's – like, this kind of goes back to the offensive line a little bit. How many of these guys – you know, how many guys can you bring in there without there being a drop-off? I think at, at end, you really – you probably want uh, – maybe it goes back to the old uh, – I think it was the Mike Trestle line, the pair and a spare at the positions. Yeah. So I think really, you, you know, you want your starters that are going to give you, you know, the bulk of the snaps, um, both at end and tackle. And you want the, you know, two top backups at that, you know, at each spot, obviously to come in there because these guys aren't playing every, every down by any means. Um, and then after that, I don't know. I mean, it just depends on who can get on the, who can show that they belong to be on the field. The more guys you have that can do that, the more you can spread out the snaps and keep guys healthy I'm rested. I think that that obviously plays into the factor. Um, so, uh, you know, five ends really play. I mean, I, you know, doing a snap counts a little tougher. Um, but really, I think, you know, it's going back to having having the, the your top guys and your backups and then maybe that fifth guy at the spot that you that you can work in there if he shows that he can give you something, maybe something a little different, you know, depending. And there's always, obviously, you know, situational stuff that factors into this and who's on the field. And, you know, you can slide guys in, you know, you can have ends lining up in the middle, um, depending on what they're doing defensively. So, depends. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. I'm just asking you to, you know, speculate here. But, I mean, I guess I look at, like, you know, Panasuk or Drew Jordan. Because, I, I mean, to me, like, it seems like Drew Beasley is going to play and then Hunt and uh, Slade probably in the middle mainly. I mean, I, I guess you Beasley, Panasuk, and Jordan. I guess who starts – which two start of those three is what I'm – wondering but if they're all playing big snaps does it matter i guess probably not. no yeah it's that's you know does it matter it matters in how you list it i guess because it makes it more confusing it's easier when you can say someone's a starter when you see that those columns or the positions and they're all late when it's the same names in there it makes it easier but um no i don't it depends uh, yeah I, i'm panacea beasley jordan those are your top three right there i think coming into it and just be interesting to see how much drew jordan uh just picks up the, the defense and can contribute quickly after that it's camper fletcher Petrowski in that in that second tier um with you know Avery Dunn didn't play last year he would have uh he would have played at least one snap Panasu got hurt last play of the first half at Iowa Avery Dunn came on and then Iowa ran up the clock to halftime and he never got on the field uh, and then after Brandon Wright you know and, and and Zach Slade um and at tackle yeah again so Slade Jack I'm sorry Jacob Slade and Jalen Hunt would be favorites to start Mallory and Hanson favorites to be the backup with Simeon Barrow I'm looking to crack that rotation and Kyle King being the guy that um, I, he made the move. I think he came in as an end, if I remember right. He came in as an end and kind of that middle weight. There's a lot of these guys, some of these guys come in at depending on what they're weighing and they bulk up really quickly and all of a sudden they go from end to tackle. And I think he fit that bill, but uh, he's a guy that got mentioned last year. Um, so yeah, that would, you know, you just kind of put them in tiers and, and see uh, uh, how they can split up the snaps from there. 
Well, either way, uh, when Michigan State's good, they're good up front. They're good on offensive line, and they're good on the defensive line. And Chris Kapilovic and Ron Burton, by all accounts, two of the better coaches on the staff. So I think there's optimism from, from a Michigan State standpoint that, especially on the offensive line, things can improve, uh, especially maybe with some more dynamic running backs in the backfield. Uh, but that's going to do it for our, for our previews here today. Matt, you got your, uh, you got your hotel booked. You got, uh, got any restaurants in Indy that you're, you're going to hit while you're there? Go-to spots? I haven't been to Indy since the, geez, was it the 18 season when Michigan State played at Indiana? Because I think they've had them at home the last two years. So, yeah, Gill's Tacos. That is uh, one that I will highly recommend. It's out by the airport. It's kind of in like an industrial park area. So it's not downtown. But Gill's Tacos, I think that's the best tacos I've ever had in my life. It's too bad we don't have Kyle on because he's always in Indianapolis for, for Michigan yeah, State I, with the basketball team. He's probably got some balls nice. down there more. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyways, well, I'm sure you'll find some good spots, you and the rest of the, the Michigan State beat reporters down there. And uh, uh, we'll be covering – we'll be following you guys with, you, with your coverage and watching on BTN. But uh, looking forward to it. Hopefully we get a little bit more clarity on where some of these guys stand. But – Matt will be down there. He'll be covering it all. He'll be posting to mlive.com slash Spartan. So check it out. Uh, and uh, if you could, again, please give us a rating and review if you can. Appreciate some of the reviews and ratings that have come in lately. Uh, love you, Spartan Nation. Can't wait for the season. Big Ten Media Day is just another sign that the season is inching closer. Fall camp is inching closer. Um, and before we know it, Michigan State will be at Northwestern at 9 o'clock. Uh, and Matt will be staying up till 6 a.m. writing stories about it. Uh, but sorry for you. I can't wait. That's going to be lit. 9 o'clock ESPN. Big time statement opportunity for Mel Tucker. We will cover every aspect on the way there. So from Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Chapin. Thank you for listening to Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Green.